Welcome to the KCAST Podcast. I'm Chris Eckenroth. Revelation chapter 6. I hope you have your Bibles. If not, maybe come back. You may want to take some notes. There's quite a few details found here in chapter 6. It's the opening. The seven seals. In fact, chapter 6 is the opening of the six seals. After that, chapter 7, chapter 8, get into the seventh seal. But today we'll be looking at these six seals as they're opened by the one who is worthy. There's only one. He has prevailed and he is worthy. He is able. It's Jesus to open these seven seals. We will find out very quickly that these seals simply describe Christ's church. From its inception of Jesus bringing together 12 disciples all the way until the second coming. So it describes different time periods within the church. So here we go. Verse 1 of chapter 6. It says this. Now I saw the Lamb. Or when I saw the Lamb, He opened one of the seals. Verse 2. And I looked and behold a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. This is a description of the early church from the inception of Jesus bringing together those 12 disciples all the way until about 100 AD. And so this early apostolic church, 31 AD until 100 AD, it's described by a white horse. The color white signifies purity, purity of faith. Uh, goes out and conquers and, and conquering. It, it's victorious. In other words, the early church went out in this unprecedented, at least afterwards, it never happened again in, in this kind of way, went out and took the kingdom of God to the world victoriously, winning souls for Christ. Notice what Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. He said this in, in 62 AD. I mean, the church is only you know, roughly 30 years old, but here's what he says 30 years into it. He says that the good news had been, quote, preached to every creature which is under heaven. Man, the church went taking out the message of Jesus to the world. This purity of faith, purity of relationship with Jesus, it drove them to take the message of Jesus to people. Application. This relationship with Jesus that you and I have will drive us to go. We've got to be careful. Oftentimes, we want people to come. We want to invite them to come. Come to our event. Come, come, come. Jesus actually says, of course, Matthew 28, go. We get to the second seal that's opened. It's verse 3. It says, when he, of course, it's Jesus, opened the second seal, verse 4, another horse, fiery red, went out. If white represents purity of faith... If white represents victory, then what does red represent? Red represents a corruption of faith. It can also represent the shedding of blood. This phase in church history is often characterized from the time period of 100 AD until 313 AD. This corruption of faith that was so focused on what Christ had told them. Now, all of a sudden, there's this, this, these heresies that are creeping into the church. There's a compromise of faith. A compromise uh, that is compromising the Word of God. And it's changing things. 
certainly this compromise of faith represents represented by red, but also can represent the blood that was shed through persecution. The Roman Caesars were heavily persecuting the early church. It goes on to say this, And it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Great sword representing this great persecution that is taking place among the people of God. 100 AD to 313 AD. Verse 5, When he, Jesus, opened the third seal, I looked, and behold, a black horse, white, purity of faith, conquering, victorious, red, this compromise of faith, the persecution that had been taking place. Now, a black horse. What what does this symbolize? What does this mean? Most commentators believe that this means a, a further compromise or losing of faith. It also represents a change in the relationship. In other words, the early church who had been so focused on Christ, now that relationship seems to be in a different place. Black, a place of death, could it be near death? Could the relationship between the church and its head be in such a place that death might characterize the relationship? Again, most commentators believe that the focus of the church has now changed. The focus from just being totally bent to going after the sharing of the gospel. Now, there's a different focus. There's a focus on worldly things. Again, in my reading, it just described how the focus of the church was focused on materialism, stuff the world had to offer. Notice what this uh, third seal is characterized as having in it. It said that he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. You know, you, you weigh things with scales. It shows where you've put your focus. Verse 6, And I heard a voice, A quart of wheat for a denarius, that's a day's wage, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. What does this mean? What does it symbolize? It's talking about a change of focus. Again, the church that had been so focused on the words of Christ, the relationship with Christ, the commission of Christ, is now focused on something else. It's not focused on the word of Christ. And it just talks about how there's this scarcity of food. Food is so expensive. Supply and demand is so expensive. In fact, uh, one scholar writes that the price of food is between 8 and 16 times more expensive than normal. There's a scarcity of bread. Of course, bread, the, the word of God, bread, Jesus. There seems to be such a focus on worldly things in the church at this time that the relationship is almost at the point of death. The scales are weighted to one side, not on the side of faith and the word of God and the relationship with Jesus, but weighted on the side of earthly things and focused on the things that are going on around them as opposed to heavenly things. It seems like the relationship with the church at its head is just the brink of, of being non-existent. It says these last two things here at the end. It says, do not harm the oil and the wine. Oil oftentimes represents faith. Wine oftentimes in the Bible represents love. You may remember from an earlier cast here on the book of Revelation 
where Paul writes a letter to the Ephesians. I believe it's Ephesians 1 verse 15, where he wrote and just basically said, man, everyone's talking. I've heard, I've heard because everyone's talking about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. It's amazing. When our eyes are taken off of Jesus, when we are not focused and committed to his word, how that affects certainly the relationship with Jesus, but affects our relationship with people. This is the characterization of the church from 313 to 538 AD. It is in verse 7 that we come to the fourth seal. When he, Jesus, opened the fourth seal, verse 8, I looked and behold, a pale horse. Pale, you just kind of get this picture. You can say not so much a horse, but you see a person who's pale, somebody who maybe is malnourished, somebody who's just been through it for a long time, you know, through it, through persecution, through trouble, through difficulty, through tribulation, just through incredibly difficult times. This period in the church's history is often described as the period of time between 538 and 1517. These dark ages. Here's what it says. And the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades. Death and the grave. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth, in other words, through a large portion of the earth, to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. All the church is taken through it during this time. It is hard. The church is just about worn out. I mean, malnourished, just empty. Their faith is just barely holding on. And then we come to the fifth seal. There are words of encouragement. Here's what it says in verse 9. And when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar. Again, remember, John was invited up into heaven. There's an open door and he comes into the very throne room of Almighty God. And he sees under the altar the souls of those who've been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they had. He sees the souls, keep in mind, this is completely symbolic. He sees the souls under the altar of those who've been killed as martyrs for being followers of Jesus because of their testimony of what he has done in their lives. Verse 10, and they cried out with a loud voice, how long, O Lord, holy and true until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. These are those who've been martyred. And again, they're crying out saying, How long, Lord? How much longer do we have to rest? Please remember, this is not a statement of the state, uh, of, the state of the dead. This is not to, to say when you die, you're still alive somewhere. No, the, the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not what anything. When you die, you're asleep. That, that's not speaking to, this, to that issue at all. This is symbolic. Verse 13, then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer. Just just rest. Just keep resting. This is meant to be an encouragement. 
those who would suffer persecution, specifically during the time, fifth seal, 1570, or 1517 to 1755. This is the time just after the start of the Reformation. Martin Luther has gone and he's nailed those 95 theses to the door of the church and persecution continues. And so these words that are found within the fifth seal are meant to bring encouragement. Because persecution is far and wide and is meant to encourage them in a couple ways. Number one, that the Lord does not forget those who give their lives for his name. He doesn't forget. It just that their blood, just like Abel, whose blood was spilled by Cain, says the blood of Abel cries out to me. The blood of those who have been killed as martyrs, that blood just cries out. In other words, the Lord can't forget. He will bring justice. He will bring an end to this. Notice what it says at the end of this. It says, Rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who should be killed as they were was completed. This is not specifically saying, the Lord's not saying, you know what, we just need, we're at 100, we got to get 102, then then we'll be done. The Lord's not talking about a number, he's talking about a time really. It's just not time yet. Because this whole thing, the the experience and the history of Christ's church is laying plain the great controversy to the cloud of witnesses within the universe as to the character of the enemy Satan and the character of Christ and our Holy Father and his kingdom. And the character of Satan and sin is being completely displayed. And Lord says, it's just not time yet. Man, the picture is being fleshed out to its fullness. We're just not there yet. But when it is, man, just rest a little bit longer because when it is, I'm telling you, I've got a robe. I've got a place that I've been preparing for you. Verse 12. We get into the sixth seal. Final seal here in chapter 6. Here's what it says. So I looked. And when he, Jesus, opened the sixth seal, behold, there was a great earthquake. All of a sudden, we start reading about all these cosmic events. Many of them described in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, by Jesus. These are events that will take place, as described in Scripture, just before, just prior to the return of Jesus. Many scholars, specifically Adventist theologians, believe that this great earthquake, as described in verse 12, was an earthquake that took place in Lisbon in 1755. This earthquake, one of the greatest ones ever recorded in history, was felt all the way from India all the way to here in North America. The Bible goes on to describe all these things that would happen, these earthly and cosmic events. The sun became black. The moon became like blood. The stars fell, verse 14. Then the sky receded as a scroll. Man, we're the second coming. We're we're like right here. The sky receded as a scroll and, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Verse 15, the kings of the earth, great men, rich men, commanders, mighty men, every slave, every free man. In other words, every person from every walk of life hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountain and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come. Question, 
and who is able to stand. Here in this sixth seal, the events just prior, as described in Scripture, just prior to the return of Jesus, begin to take place. And then there's this question that is asked. Who is able to stand? You see, all these crazy things happen. I mean, earthquakes and cosmic events in the sky and people are saying, ah, rocks, mountains fall on us. We have been given no indication that anyone has been able to survive this. And so it's a very relevant question that is given that says, who is able to stand? Who is able to survive? And then there's a pause. In our next cast, we're going to get into chapter 7. In chapter 7, there's a bit of a pause to answer this question before we get into the seventh seal. This walk through the history and even the current status or situation of the church reminds me of what we learned in the first chapter of Revelation. Here's what it says, And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Again, I remind us what it says, or the Bible reminds us what it says, what those lampstands represent. It says this, the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. In other words, Christ Jesus himself, this one who has prevailed, the one who is worthy, is in the midst. He's straight up in the middle of it with his church. Man, we've learned about a lot of different times, experiences, historical events that have happened that have not been easy for the church, but no doubt Christ has been and will always be in the midst of his church. Oh man, we are in the midst of some difficult times right now in the world and even the church. But here's the good news. This same Jesus, the Christ, he is in the midst of his church. This is the KCAST podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.